Welcome. I am Johnny the Stanton. We have Reginald Perriman, Shaka Williams, and we are Tasari. This is the There's Something About Real Estate podcast where we talk all things real estate, and we have a special guest with us tonight, Mr. John Kashnowski. Hello, everybody. I'm glad to be here, and I'm hopefully I can give you some insight on uh, self-directed IRAs. All right, Wonderful. <laughs> so, John, we like we like to always open up and get started with how how did you get started? in the business? Well, I, I got started, I remember distinctly one day on a Saturday night, uh, Sunday morning, I was watching TV, clicking through the channel. I know I woke up suddenly like three in the morning. All of a sudden I turned on the TV because that always makes me fall back to sleep. I happened to see an infomercial about investing in real estate and that's how I got started. So I call it, a, a, so I went to what they could, it hooked me. I, it sounded very interesting. So I went to what they call the teaser seminar, which is a two-day seminar. And then after that seminar, I no, I'm sorry, it was a one-day seminar, just maybe a few hours. Then I went to the next seminar, which was a two-day seminar, and I liked it. And then I, I joined an investment group where I really got started and got a lot of my education in real estate. But it all started from an infomercial when I couldn't fall asleep one day. Wow. <laughs> yeah. How long ago was that? That was back in uh, 2010. I had retired from Ford in February 2010, and I attended my first real estate uh, investment cl uh, class. I want to say, I think it was July of 2010. Cool. And I've been at it ever since. Okay. Cool. That's interesting. I, I I totally did not expect for you to say that. That's exactly <laughs> what happened. So so basically, I got my education by being taught by gurus. Mm. Okay. I won't okay. mention the gurus, but they're famous gurus, guys you see on TV. Right. Okay. And you got in at an interesting time. You said 2010, yeah. so the market was depressed, so you were able to get some good deals. Correct. But, but I was also warned by other people, you're crazy get in this market now. <laughs> Look, at we're losing our – because so many people had lost money in the downturn. Right. And they thought it was crazy. I didn't know that much about real estate, so I didn't know about a downturn, quite honestly. Right. I didn't pay attention to that. I mean, I knew what's going on around me because – I was a victim of being laid off uh, from Ford Motor. You know, we had layoffs, plant closings, everything like that. So I knew there was a downturn, but I didn't realize how bad it was as far as affecting the real estate market and particularly investors who lost a ton of money. Right. Mm -hmm. So he got in at the end of the last cycle. Correct. Yeah. In the, be in the beginning of the, this cycle. The upturn. Yeah. Correct. And if you follow cycles, I've been told, uh, although I haven't done research on it, that Real estate usually follows about a 17-year cycle. Mm -hmm. So, mm. yeah. So I thought it was 10 years. No, well, seven, I, I believe it's yeah. 17 years. It's it's a, a the average is about 10 years, okay. but 17 around 17. That's why we was talking about if you buy it and hold it long enough, it'll recover always. So you have your mm -hmm. down cycle and up cycle. So, what do you specialize in? I specialize in, basically, I, I specialize in seven different things, to be honest with you. But if I had to pinpoint what I specialize in now, I would say it's private lending and also uh, buy and hold properties, rental properties. Okay. okay. So probably. I, I but I also job. did wholesaling. I did, I'm a proof of funds provider. I actually act as a consultant, um, you know, a transactional funding. I've done a lot of deals where I do transactional right. funding for people, too, so. I've done a little bit of everything. So for those flips, that, I've done flips. For those that don't know, can you explain the transactional funding? 
Absolutely. Let's say I'm a wholesaler and I get a property under contract for $100,000. And let's say I want, a, 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 and I have a buyer that is going to pay me $120,000 for it. Sure. Now the challenge is, do I want that buyer to know that I'm going to make $20,000 on this deal? Right. He might be a little upset. So a lot of times you may use transactional funding or it, let's say I don't even have the money. Then I would go to someone and say, hey, I got this property for $100,000. I'm going to sell it to this guy for $120,000. Would you loan me $100,000 and I'm going to give you some money so I can borrow your money for a day or two? So basically, right. it's a double close. We're going to buy it in the we're going to we're going to buy it in the morning, sell it in the afternoon. Right. And I'm going to provide the money for you to make that happen. Right. So that's basically how transactional uh, funding works. So as a transactional funder, obviously, you're working with escrows. So typically, the new buyer is going to put their money in escrow before the transactional funder is going to wire their money into escrow. That way, we know that it's going to close and uh, and and. And usually, as a transactional funder, it's all negotiable. So, uh, let's ask let's ask everybody out there: If you need a hundred thousand dollars to to make twenty thousand, how much would you be willing to share with me if I provide you the hundred thousand dollars for a day or two? Right. So it's all negotiable. Cool. Okay. So that's another way for people to invest in real estate without being a fix and flipper or a rehabber. They can just loan the money and get paid on the money that they're loaning in 100%. such a short period of time. Yes. That's got to be highly profitable. Transactional funding is supposed to be a one-day deal, but I found it could usually go between three and five days, quite okay. honestly. But still, to loan somebody $100,000 for two or three days, four days, five days, you can make pretty good rate of return. And then, of course, the borrower makes a huge profit. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's jump back to the um, self-directed IRAs. Can you explain that and, you know, how that works? So I guess it's going to be two parts. We're going to talk about what the self-directed IRA is and then how you use that to invest. Great. Okay, basically a self-directed IRA, when I first started in real estate, uh, and that's what really hooked me when I learned at the seminar that you can self-direct your IRA money. Because I had worked at Ford, I had a 401k, I had substantial savings. Now, when I retired from Ford, uh, I, I, I took the money out of the 401k and I transferred it to E-Trade because I was going to do mm -hmm. stocks, bonds, mutual funds. Mm -hmm. Then when I saw the seminar and I realized about self-directed IRAs, I moved all my money from E-Trade and opened up a self-directed IRA account. Now, I did even further than that. I went further than that. Right. When you open up a self-directed IRA account, you got to go to a certain uh, a certain custodian that allows you to self-direct your IRA. But I also learned that you your self-directed IRA can, and this is dangerous, can buy an LLC. Mm. So what I did with my self-directed wow. IRA, I invested in an LLC. Well, what does that do? I bypass my custodian. Anytime you want to lend with your custodian, there's fees. Uh -huh. $30, $70, $80. There's fees going out, fees coming back. However, if you have a self-directed IRA that has a, that owns an LLC, you have a checkbook. You can write your own checks. You can send a check or do a wire directly to the title company when you're lending to someone, or you could write a check out. You right. It's called a checkbook control IRA. Mm -hmm. But it's really not advisable 
because if you screw up, the IRS is going to hammer you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you got to be very, Jules. very, very <laughs> careful. Right. So what you mean by screw up? Give an example of screwing up. Well, let's say you write a check to yourself. That would be a prohibited transaction. Uh, let's say, you know, you brought a property and you went over there and worked on that property. That's a prohibited transaction. Your IRA will get disqualified and you're going to be penalized big time. So you have to hire third parties for everything. Correct. Okay. Yes. When you have a, well, here's the thing. It depends on what you're doing with your self-directed IRA. With my self-directed IRA, I use that company pretty much only as a lender. Right. So I only use it to lend to somebody else who's going to flip a house. Okay. So they want to flip a house. They need $50,000. I'll loan from that self-directed IRA to them to flip the house. In return for that, I'm going to get a promissory note. I'm going to be listed on the insurance policy. Not me. When I say me, I mean my IRA. Right. And also uh, a, a promissory note. A promissory note and a mortgage, and, and I'll be on the insurance policy. Right. Now, depending on where you're lending, if you're lending west of the Mississippi, usually those states are deed of trust states. They're not mortgage states. And Georgia is also not a mortgage state. So, so depending on what state you're lending in, uh, your security might be different than a mortgage. It could be a deed of trust or, and in Georgia has a different one, but I can't remember what it's called. Okay. So I'm sorry. Explain a custodian. A custodian basically is like your bank, but uh, you don't get interest on your account. Basically what they do is they allow you to put money in there. You know, they act as your custodian and there's fees involved and they allow you to make transactions such as being a lender or if you want to buy a property in your IRA, that's what is lo- they allow. So, but they're very difficult to work with. You got to have all your I's dotted and T's crossed. It's right. not easy going through your custodian. And like I said, you have to submit all the paperwork to them first before they're going to allow you to make any transactions. So, um, like I said, there's paperwork involved, right. but basically they're protecting yourself from disqualifying yourself. Okay. So it, 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 they're acting in your best interest. But like I said, there's, for instance, let's say you want to buy a house on an auction and you got to be at that auction right there today and you want to buy it in your IRA. So if I went through my custodial account, I have to submit paperwork it might take three, four days to review and, and okay it. Well, the auction's right. over. But if you have checkbook control, you can you can bid on that property right now. Write that check. Here, I bought that house. Okay. So, but I don't advise checkbook control unless you're 100, 100% educated on the ins and outs of self-directed IRAs. Okay. So even when you sell a property, let's say you own a property in your IRA, mm-hmm. they have to approve all the documents for closing and everything. Is that correct? You know, that's a great question. I never sold a property in my IRA yet oh. because, like I said, I only use my IRA basically for lender as a lender. Okay. But um, because my uh, if, if it was in, in the name of the IRA, yes, you're 100%. They'd have to approve everything. Okay. As a matter of fact... When you uh, use a self-directed IRA, there's a certain way you even have to title the mortgage and the promissory note. It has to be something like, um, there's a long title for it, Um, something like um, 
let's say, I don't want to name any custodians, but it would be blank, 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 company, custodian for benefit of John Doe IRA number 12345. So that's how it's titled. All your, It's on your promissory note. It's on your mortgages. It's on all your documents. It has to be titled exactly that way. And I want to let you know another thing. I bought uh, over 20 properties, um, re, uh, rental properties. I did not use my IRA money, but you know what I did? I used my friend's IRA money. I right. borrowed from them. Right. And then I would pay them quarterly the interest that we agreed upon. And each time I would write them a check, I put um, blank, blank company custodian for benefit of blank, blank, blank. And that's how it had to be. And I sent it to the custodian, not to him. Right. Sent it to the custodian. They put it in his account. So, so this money, so when they're getting, when you're getting paid in your IRA, it's going straight to the IRA. This is just part of your retirement. So any rents collected or anything like that goes straight to the IRA. A hundred percent. You okay. don't get any benefit of it. Now you're allowed to withdraw some of that money if you want, but that, that would be a, you know, a distribution. Right. So there'd be a tax consequence unless it's uh, in your Roth IRA. Of course, if it's in your Roth IRA, it's tax free, right. but still you have to fill out paperwork. The IRS still wants to know, even if it's tax free, that you took uh, money out of your self-directed IRA. Right. Now here's another thing for me. Because my uh, IRA is 100% IRA owned. Uh, my IRA owns the LLC, I mean. Okay. So if I wanted to take a distribution, I couldn't take a distribution from, I couldn't write my check from my LLC. Hmm. I would have to go back to my custodian and they would have to approve a distribution from my LLC to me. In other words, if I just wrote a check to John Ka John Kashnowski, that'd be a prohibited transaction. Mm -hmm. It has to go back to the custodian first to take any distribution. Wow. So <laughs> prohibited, uh, I mean, so you're saying, so what's the penalty of a prohibited distribution? Well, you know, that's a good question. Uh, and I used to know it off the top of my head. I should have prepared better. No. But I think the penalty for prohibited transaction is about 20 to 25%. Let's say it's 20%. Uh, you'll have to look that up. So let's say you uh, had a trans you did a transaction that's worth $100,000. Now you get penalized 20 or 25%. Let's say it's 20%. Now, now you're down to $80,000, and now you got to pay taxes on that right now. And there's even a, a bigger penalty than that. In other words, you cash out your IRA. You don't own it anymore. You got to pay taxes on it now. You lose the benefit of your IRA for doing a prohibited transaction. Wow. One prohibited transaction, for instance, let's say you bought a rental property in your IRA. And let's say the landlord called you up and says, oh, um, you know, uh, my dishwasher broke or, or my lawn needs cutting. And you went over there and you cut the lawn or you repaired a dishwasher, that's prohibited. You can't work on your any property your IRA owns. If you got caught, you're in deep trouble. They're gonna disqualify your IRA. It's not worth it. Wow. That's why to me, I only use my IRA money as a lender. Right. I'm not going to do any work. They got their own contractors. I'm hands off 100% right. only as a lender. So what I'm hearing is... But by so, the way, okay. I, I'm sorry for interrupting. No problem. A lot of people don't know with your self-directed IRA, you could right. buy pretty much everything with your IRA. Right. You could buy a Wendy's hamburger shop. You could buy a hair salon owned by your IRA. You could use that IRA in, in so many uh, oil chain shop, whatever you want to do. But the only thing is, you can't work at it. 
Right. You can't manage it. You can't have anything to do with it. It has to be 100% hands-off. What you cannot buy is anything that might give be, benefit you. For instance, your IRA cannot invest in art collection, car collection, baseball cards, wine collection, uh, or insurance policies. Why? Because you would get a benefit. Remember right. I said it has to be hands-off? You cannot right. get a benefit. So if I bought art collection, wow, I'm enjoying that. Uh-uh, right. you're, you can't enjoy something your IRA bought illegal. Right. So it, it sounds like what, what I'm hearing is because you said um, pretty much you're not touching this money. You're just investing it and it's stockpiling until you retire. And you're also becoming a bank because you mentioned that you borrow money from your friend's IRA to buy your properties. Do the, and they do the same with you. Is that how it works? Well, not really. Most of the money I borrowed from my friends, I've never lent back to them. They're also lenders like me. So okay. they're, they're looking for lending opportunities and um, rather than the borrowing opportunities. But obviously, if they wanted to, I would be happy to lend right. to them also. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, in terms But you got to of... be careful of that too, by the way. Right. That's kind of a gray area. And let me explain that. Let's say one of my friends loaned to me from her IRA $30,000. Um, and, and then she asked me to loan back to her $20,000. That might be a gray area because the IRS might say, wait a minute here, you're getting a benefit of that. Right. You're getting 30 from her, but you're loaning back 20 to, uh, to her. That might be a gray area where they might do some scrutiny and saying, are you benefiting from that? Because remember, you can't benefit from this. Right. And the other thing you can't do is um, with your IRA, let's say you want to buy a vacation property. Great. So I buy a property in Florida and, um, uh, you know, uh, I want to use that property. I can't. I can't go down there and stay in Florida and in my IRA property. Neither can my children, my mom, my dad, my grandparents, cousins, possibly. I could possibly let my cousins stay there. But I wouldn't even go that way. I would completely rent it only to strangers. I wouldn't even take right. a chance renting it to friends. Uh, but like I said, all that income coming back in would go back into the IRA. Right. But you cannot use it. Even for one day, you couldn't use it. That would be prohibited transaction. Okay. okay. So I have a question. Um, in terms of how much you earn on your dollar when it's sitting doing nothing in your IRA, um, how do you, how much does that typically like, you know, on average increase when someone takes that as a lender and loans it to someone? Well, if it's sitting in your account, you get zero interest on it. Uh, let's say it's in your custodial account, depending on your IRA custodian, they don't pay interest on that money. So let's say you got a hundred thousand dollars in that account. You're not making a penny. The only way you make money is if you invest it. Now as an investment, as a lender, it's all negotiable on how much um, you can make. For instance, on my rental properties, when I wanted to buy rental properties, and I had a guy that was willing to hold the note for me for numerous years, I paid him 10% annually, and I paid him quarterly. Sure. And guess right. what, I didn't even care, because let's say I borrowed $30,000, let's say I bought a property for 30,000, I paid him, uh, and it cost me $10,000 to uh, fix up, so I'm all in for 40. I got 10,000 in it. He's got 30 in it. Okay, great. Now, let's say I'm renting that property for $800. So I'm bringing in $9,600 a year. 
uh, 12 times 800, and then I pay him 10% on his 30, which is $3,000. That brings me down to 6,600, and I got about $1,600 worth of taxes and insurance on that property. So, uh, so how much am I left? 4,400. So I'm left with like $4,400 on my initial $10,000 investment. So and then, and, and then what I do is I, 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 all that money goes back in the IRA, and then when I accumulate enough, I pay it off. So pretty right. much, I paid off all but one property right now. Mm. Uh, all, all my other ones will be free and clear except one. So uh, ten thousand dollars. Ten years, twenty properties, nineteen paid off. No, actually, what happened is I didn't start investing in um, rental properties about four years ago. Okay. So I bought all these properties in the last four years, pretty much. So you started off initially investing and loaning money with your IRA. Right. Mostly lending. Mostly lending. And then I started buying rental properties and borrowing money from people who had IRA money. Okay. And then paying them off as I go. So I never took a dime out of my, uh, uh, the only money I ever paid myself out of my rental properties was my mileage at the end of the year. Okay. So rather than deduct uh, gas mileage and this and that, take a deduction, you're allowed to pay your, you can do one or the other. So I take the mileage and it, it was like, pay yourself like 57 cents a mile, something like that. Right. And then I write that check at the end of the year for how many miles I went back and forth to the rentals or working on the rentals. And don't forget, these rentals are outside of my IRA. So I am allowed to work on them, manage them, everything like that. Right. Because you just borrowed the money for those Correct. from someone else's Correct. IRA. Correct. I borrowed the money from their right. IRA. Right. So they can't help me with anything. Right. But that's fine. So So it sounds like, so for our listeners, what I'm hearing is that um, basically you have to treat the IRA like a business entity itself <sighs> that you can't do anything in, you can't work in. And like some of us don't want to work in our business. We want it to run itself. And this is like the best way to do it. That's correct. Right. Okay. And I would recommend for everybody just go right through their custodian. There may be more fees, but then right. you don't, they're not going to let you do anything prohibited. They're going to warn you, of course. Right. But, um, you know, it's like a safety check for you. Right. Unless you really, really do your research and are knowledgeable. As a matter of fact, a lot of IRA custodians now will not allow you to have checkbook control anymore. Oh, wow. They want to have control over you. Right. Because yeah. they know that there's a lot of dummies out there. <laughs> Right. That's true. So um, we were talking about if it's if the money doesn't get paid back to a person's IRA. So you you borrow money from your friend from their IRA, but then you don't pay it back or and they can't pay it back. Well, I've had that happen to me. Have to foreclose my IRA foreclose on them. Okay. take them to court. So my IRA pays the attorney. My IRA pays all the expenses involved, legal expenses, comes from my IRA. None of it can come from my personal pocket. None of it. 100%. Anything involved in that litigation comes from the IRA. Okay. What if you don't have money? I actually had that happen to me. I got a property in a town called Carbondale, Pennsylvania right now that the girl defaulted, and my IRA owns that property in Carbondale, long ways away. <laughs> nice property, nice property. And I have a, it's tenant occupied at $800 a month. But I, because of the distance involved, I'm thinking about selling it to another investor who wants a cash flowing property. What if you're, what if you don't have any more money in that IRA to pay those expenses? 
Well, you can borrow against your IRA, but it has to be what they call a non-recourse loan. Non-recourse means you can't personally guarantee that loan. The only security would be the property itself. And usually the criteria on a non-recourse loan, they don't loan as much loan-to-value as a traditional loan because it's non-recourse. There are some non-recourse lenders out there, not a ton of them. Um, so it, it might be a little difficult to find somebody to do a non-recourse loan. In other words, loaning to your IRA. Now, if you also borrow from, if you if your IRA is borrowing money, there is a tax consequence too. So you have to be careful about that. In other words, most of the time your IRA doesn't have to pay taxes. There is no right. tax consequence until you cash it out. But if you're using debt to support your IRA, there will be some tax consequences. And you're, and and here's the other thing, by the way, try to find an accountant who knows anything about that. <laughs> most accountants don't even know about self-directed IRAs. Right. Uh, most bankers don't know about self-directed IRAs. I've educated bankers about self-directed IRAs because they had no idea what a self-directed IRA is. So, no, wait, wait, I'm sorry. I got it. Wait, wait, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> so in the middle of the night while you were like sleeping, and was woken up by this infomercial. They were talking about self-directed IRAs or were they just saying, come to this workshop? They said, come to the workshop and, and we'll show you how you can use your IRA to invest in real estate. We'll show you how to do this, 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 this. Okay. I just wanted I, to be I, clear. I, well, I, you know, I, I'm not sure they said the, about the IRA, but at the workshop, they did bring that up. Okay. And that lit a light bulb on me because, like I said, I was going to do stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. And, just, and instead, I decided... You know, I, I I like this real estate game. No, it's just it's wonderful to me because I've I very rarely sleep with the television on, anyways. But when I do, sometimes I get woke up by an infomercial, and normally it's like to buy a Kirby, you know, or to yeah. spend money, yeah. you know, something that you're not going to use, yeah. but you were convinced, yeah. like in your sleep, like, like, oh, this is a good idea. So you're laying there in the dark, like charging your credit card, <laughs> but instead. <laughs> Well, I, well, I didn't charge my credit card because it was free. You know, the first, what you call a teaser seminar is yeah, they're free. free. So you go to the seminar and that's when they hook you in. And I liked it so much, I, I, I took my wife the next day wow. to it. I to see if she liked it and she liked it too. But she doesn't have the same uh, passion I have for it. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing I learned at, at, at the seminar. Our instructor said, you know, the guy who taught the seminar, and I'm not going to say his name. And I'll never forget. And it made sense to me. He said, number one, if you want to be successful in real estate or anything else, you have to have passion. You have to like what you're doing and you have to think about it all the time. And it, it has to be part of, you know, your everyday life. He said, number two, you have to have continuous education. Just like doctors, medicine changes all the time. Just like laws change for an attorney. As an, a real estate investor, you got to stay continually educated. Because right. things change, markets change, everything changes. And number three thing you said, you have to take action now. That is the stumbling block by most investors. They think they want to get in the game and they're afraid to dive in. They don't jump in the pool and get involved. So I took that to heart. So when I went to my seminar, it was actually in California, the, the boot camp. But not bragging. So I went to a, a boot camp in California. Then I went to another one, which is called a buy and hold tour by a different guru in Indianapolis. That was in uh, early September, September 10, 2010, uh, and then September 25, 2010. When I got back, 
October, I think it was October 7, I did two deals on that day as a lender. And before wow. the end of that year, I invested in five properties before December 31st, including closing on one. Right. Because the the guy I loaned money to, we already had a buyer for it before we bought it. Took about 35 days to close it. But I took action. I did. Right. Right off the bat, I took action. Now, let me ask you this. So with the custodian, is they, do you have to have a minimum balance before you go to a custodian with your IRS? Boy, that's a good question. Mm -hmm. I, I believe there is a minimum that you... Uh, uh, that you have to um, um, open your account with. I, okay. I, I, I'm not sure what it is, but because I had substantial way more than the minimum necessary, yeah, but I'm not sure what the minimum is. Right. 5,000, uh, it could be in, it, that might change per custodian. And usually they have a, a fee to open an account for you. All you got to do is tell them, could you do it for free? And right. most of the times they will. <laughs> Can you waive your fee? <laughs> Now, that's another right. thing. If you don't ask, you're not going to get. Right. What's going to hurt? You know, oh, you don't want to waive your, wave your feet? Well, you know, I might call this other custodian. Right. And basically, it's all about fees, too, because there are annual fees. And every, every transaction you do, there's a fee with a custodian. Right. Now, I'm going to tell you a little insight on mine. To hold my account open with my LLCs, IRA-owned LLCs, cost me two ninety five a year. Most people who have IRAs, they spend three, four times that just in fees in a year. Right. That's the benefit of having checkbook control. The fees, there's there are virtually no fees except a annual fee. You don't have any of these nickel and dime fees. Right. But it may right. not be worth it uh, if you're not an expert. Because, I would not advise yeah. it to anybody <laughs> because any attorney is going to tell you you're nuts for taking that chance. Yeah. Let so, me. Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was going to ask you. So you mentioned that you were going to go put your money in stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. Um, and in your so comparing the two, did you ever put any of the money into stocks, bonds, or mutual funds? And how did it compare? Well, quite honestly, when I was at Ford, I had my four hundred one k. It was all in mutual funds. Okay. So I did do very well in mutual funds. And at that time, we had probably about fifty choices that you could choose from. And I did pretty good. I made I made some good money. Sure. Uh, but like I said, uh, since then, no, I, I've been pretty much all in real estate. Okay. Stocks, bonds, and mutual funds is great, but you have to know what you're doing. You have to do a lot of research just like everything. And did I have the passion for it? I actually was going to go to the online academy hmm. and learn all about it. I, I went to their teaser seminar, and it's pretty impressive. But I decided, you know what, I, I'm going to stick with real estate. It's more of a people business than sitting there watching charts all day. Right. <laughs> but it's all, you know, it, it, quite honestly, in real estate, it's not all about making money. It, it, right. It's a people business. It's meeting people. It's a relationship business. Stock bonds and mutual funds, you can get rich, but it's kind of cold. Right. But Definitely. Yeah. I got a question. Um, so how explain to our listeners, how do you get money or the best way or how do you get money into your self-directed IRA? How do you get started? Um, well, you have to open up an account and you're allowed to put X amount of dollars in your IRA each year. I believe, I, I don't, I haven't made a contribution to my IRA in years. For one, I'm 67. Why do I want to contribute more? I, I should be starting <laughs> to take out. Um, but uh, it used to be, I think the max you could put in was like 5,500 a year. And then it went up higher to 
depending if you're over 50 or not, the, the, the limit that you can invest was is higher. But here's an example. Let's say, let's say you only had another way you could turn some good money. Let's say you only had $5,000 in your IRA or even $1,000 in your IRA and you want to make increase that substantially. You could do a lease option on that property or you could get a property, a wholesale deal under contract mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, and, and, and put it in the name of your IRA. And then even if you use transactional funding, yeah, there's going to be a tax consequence. But remember, I gave you right. that example earlier where you can make $18,000. So let's say you did that in your IRA. Let's say you put $1,000 EMD down. Now it's in the name of the IRA, the property. You borrow right. the rest from someone like me. And then that money would go, your profit would go back in your IRA. So all of a sudden, your $1,000 EMD, you make another $18,000. You can increase it substantially. Same thing. You can also do the same on a lease option deal. Give that example again. <laughs> it, went over the, it went over a lot of people's heads. So give that example with the $5,000 in your um the thousand. Let's do it with, do it with a lot of people. Okay. Well, let's let's say let's say in this example, let's say I, I got a prop. I, I found a good wholesale deal. So a, a seller wants to sell me a house for a hundred thousand dollars. I know the house is worth a hundred twenty thousand dollars. So now I go and I talk to the seller. Rather than putting it in my name, I put it in the name of the IRA, the contract. Now the contract is his name. Now you can assign that contract also. So if you want, if your if your buyer has no issue with spending one hundred twenty thousand, you don't need a transactional funder like me. He's good. Okay, great. I put a thousand dollars in the deal. It's in the name of my IRA. I sold it for one hundred twenty thousand. All that money profit goes back into the IRA. So you can increase the value of your IRA substantially if you wanted to. Now, in that same example, let's say you didn't have, you didn't want your buyer to know that you're making 20000 on the deal. Then you could borrow from someone like me, a transactional funder, pay me a, a fee, and then the rest of the money would go back in your IRA because it's titled because you're buying it in your IRA. So, so, so he's talking about earnest money deposit is the EMD is the worth $1,000. Correct. Right. Basically. But ultimately, it sounds like. But you still have to make sure on the purchase agreement, it's in the name of your IRA. You can't change it later. It has to be in the name of your IRA. So basically what he's saying is for someone that has $1,000 that instead of putting it in an online account and investing in stocks, you can invest that 1000 into maybe like a wholesale deal or whatever. And you if can, you have a self-directed IRA, you have right. to have an account established first. Right. And you turn that 1000 into possibly 18000 or whatever, that's a better return that you can get in a shorter period of time. And you can increase your retirement account by a lot compared to just putting it in a mutual fund for a year or so. Absolutely. And my advice, if you're doing that, also open up a Roth self-directed IRA. That okay. way there's no tax consequence when down the road when you withdraw it. It all grows tax-free. Right. But you use after, there's no tax benefit to you when you open the account. Whereas if you open a traditional self-directed IRA, you get a tax benefit. You can deduct the amount you open the account with, say $1,000, you can deduct that from your gross income right. and you get a tax break. Or, but to me, I would just use after tax dollars and then it's all tax free. Right. But yeah, you can do that. That's a good way to um, 
to increase the value of your IRA rather quickly. Right. So it also sounds like for people that are good at making money in real estate, but they're also good at blowing it all. This is a way to kind of protect yourself from yourself because you're creating your retirement based on your current activities that most of us are already doing anyway. You're just doing it through your self-directed IRA and you got a huge nest egg at retirement. So this that's huge for a lot of people that's in uh, real estate because they're right. always wondering, what am I doing for my retirement? Right. So this yes. is a perfect opportunity for them to uh, put some money away for their, their retirement. Absolutely. Perfect right. opportunity. I, I, I just don't know how much the minimum amount you'd have to open an account with. You'd have to call different custodians and find out. Right. And uh, there's, I know of at least eight custodians in America, if not more, because I've been on their webinars. Right. And you can get great education. Just go to their website. They got a library of webinars. You can watch these webinars and learn all about the ins and outs of self-directed IRA. I highly advise that. And most of this information is free. Absolutely free. Oh, wow. Absolutely free. I used wow. to go on live webinars, which was great because we had questions and answers. Right. And I used to ask some tough questions. <laughs> and they, right. you know, sometimes I'd stump the experts. Mm. And sometimes, right. I hate to say it, when I was sharp, which I'm not sharp anymore, <laughs> uh, 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 I knew the answers more than they did. Wow. For instance, here's a here's a, a a ninja strategy or a gray area, let's say. Ninja strategy. Am I going to advise this? <laughs> Am I going to advise this? No. Did I ever do this ninja strategy? Well, I don't really want to say if I did or not, but I wouldn't know about it. But anyway, there's a there's a a way in your IRA that you're allowed to withdraw money from your IRA for sixty days, as long as you return it in sixty days. Okay. If you do not return it, you get penalized. But you have 60 days, once a year, once 12 months to take money out of your account, use it for whatever you want, make sure you put the money back in. So let's say I got a lot of money in my IRA, but I don't have much money in my hip pocket. Hmm. All right. How about if I take out $50,000 from my IRA and I loaned it on one of these transactional funding deals? Now, it's no longer in my IRA. Withdrew it from my IRA. $50,000. Right. I loan it to Janita for transactional funding. She's got a property under contract for $50,000. She's going to sell it for $65,000. Okay? Right. Loan it to her for two or three days. She agrees with me to give me $3,000 for $50,000 for three days. Right. She sells it for $65,000. She makes $12,000 on the deal. I make $3,000 on the deal. Right. But it goes in my hip pocket because remember, I took it out of the IRA. Then I take the 50, I take that 53, 3,000 goes in my hip pocket, 50 goes back into my IRA. Ninja strategy. That's, that's a rewinder. You got to <laughs> rewind that back. When we... Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. it makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, you can even do a bit bigger deal than that. Let's say you did a $100,000 deal. And let's say uh, you, you, you did a wholesale deal on your own. Right. Let's say you knew a property that I could get under contract for, uh, instead of her getting it under contract, I get it under contract. And I know about the deal. I withdraw the money from my IRA for 60 days, get it under contract for 50000 I know I got a buyer over here for 65000 I'm going to close with him within 10 days or a week or two weeks. Right. Close with him. I just walk away with $15,000. He pays me sixty-five. I walk away with fifteen. 
and then I put the 50 back in. I have something right. to say because when people are watching Be this, careful. That's Ninja. No, no. Remember, the I IRS consider listen. you getting a benefit of that. Right. People are going to watch this and listen to it and say, oh, that's not good math because there's no way that you make the 15000 Yeah, there's closing costs involved. However, you can avoid closing costs and still make your entire fifteen. Like, I just want to say that because people are going to watch it and evaluate it. And These say, are just well, examples. Yeah. But, yeah, there's usually closing costs and <laughs> yeah. stuff like that. But even with These that. These are just when, rough examples. But, in, but in, in those types of transactions, sometimes the, uh, um, you know, you can include those costs on the other side as well. So you do make your entire fifteen. Mm -hmm. That's all. And another, another uh, example would be, let's say I had a, a major repair I wanted to do on my house. So let's say I had some money in my IRA. Let's say I had $50,000 in my IRA. So now I, I want to repair my house and it's going to cost $30,000. So I can take that 50000 out of my IRA. Now I can repair my house. How am I going to get the other money back? How am I going to get that fifty back in the IRA? I'm sorry, the thirty back. Well, I had a property that I loaned to Janita on and it's supposed to close next week. And I'll be darned if, you know, I'm going to get 35000 back because I loaned her X amount of dollars. So when that property sells, I could put that money back into the IRA. But it's got to happen as long in 60 as it days. has to happen within sixty days. <clears throat> now, what if it doesn't happen in the sixty days? You get penalized. The same twenty percent or prohibited. I, you know, I, it's not a it's not a prohibited transaction, but I, I'm not sure how much you get penalized. Gotcha. But there is very dire consequences. So don't do the strategy unless you got a shirt. That's why I said mm, you know strategy. the you know the penalties and things. So exactly. you have to be educated. Yep. Let's get another ninja strategy, please. Well, <laughs> I think that's enough for today. Yeah, well, one more. Got, right. Three is a charm. Well, well how many did I do already? Two. Well, it's a lot of gems in there, though. Yeah. Because, like, just for the average oh, person, all of this stuff is yeah. new. Mm -hmm. And I think, like, just using a thousand dollars and turning it to it's possibly eight, 18, right? Great. All yeah. legit, all above the board, and you're creating. Well, don't forget, I said account. you could, you could, in that example, there will be a tax consequence because you borrowed money, though. Right. So keep that in mind. Mm -hmm. Anytime your IRA borrows money, there will be a tax consequence. Right. Unless you had that Roth. It's still going to be a tax consequence because anytime, whether it's a Roth or traditional, if that IRA is borrowing money, you're using someone else's money to make money on your Roth mm -hmm. because otherwise businesses would be at a disadvantage. Gotcha. Let's say right. I got a bit a Wendy's uh, and you got a Wendy's. You got to pay taxes on all your earnings on your Wendy's, mm -hmm. but my IRA owned my Wendy's, you know, it, it would be a competitive advantage. So you have to pay taxes. Uh, there's, there's consequences with business uh, taxes. Okay. So who do we go to? We don't have any CPAs that, that know about this. Uh, there are some good CPAs out there know about that. <laughs> But I try to avoid, I haven't had an instant yet where I had to borrow money from my IRA, number one, uh, you know, for the benefit of my IRA. And I've only loaned strictly as a lender. Yep. So I've never ran into that problem. Gotcha. Okay. Hold on. He was giving us one, he's going to give us one yeah, more ninja. A ninja strategy. One, one more. Great area. It. Well. That's why we're here. I guess my ninja strategies are about people who have more IRA money than hip pocket money. So like I just said in that example where you can withdraw that money and use it for your personal benefit as long as it's back within 60 days. 
Another strategy might be that, um, let's say Shaka had $50,000 in his IRA. I had $50,000 in my IRA. And Janita had um, $50,000 in her IRA. So another strategy might be, geez, you know what? Go ahead. You I, I, I don't have any hip pocket money. So let's say she said uh, something like, well, your IRA could loan my IRA. My IRA could loan your IRA. Your IRA could loan your IRA. But like I said, that might be considered a benefit, a, a benefit uh, you know, getting a benefit. So you right. got to be careful on that. Okay. But is the IRS going to catch you? I don't know. I don't know how busy they are. <laughs> They're going to get busy now. <laughs> right. I mean, how, how many times do we go a little bit faster on the highway than we're supposed to? Do you get caught by the cops? Every yeah. so often you do. <laughs> I don't even know, Shaka. Right. Well, <laughs> I think overall this information was helpful. I mean, oh, yeah, the average absolutely. person is going to be – some of it's going to be over your head, but you just have to subscribe, like, and rewind because well, what we're gonna do? <laughs> what we're gonna do with John though? The next time John comes in, actually, when we do a live, yeah. let's try to get John in. And then what we'll do, we'll have a whiteboard and we'll we'll do a lot of scenarios. Oh, John, yeah. he does a lot of scenarios. Oh yeah, I'd love to do that. I, I could show you. I could show you some live examples of what I done, what I've done, and I could show you examples of how I borrowed money from other people's IRA and how they made money, right? Uh, as me being a, a borrower. And I could show you examples how I made money as a lender. Great. Mm -hmm. my, when I say me, I mean my IRA. Correct. Okay. Yep. Now, you mentioned, um, do you consult with people as well? Like if someone came to you and said, I have this money, I want to do what you're doing, um, can you help me out, in other words? Yes, I do. Okay. I, I do help people f find deals, pretty much. Okay. And I, I help people who have deals find funding for their deals. Mm -hmm. right. Basically, as a consultant, yes. Mm-hmm. So you help uh, find the money and you help find the deal. Correct. Okay. Great. What's next? What are you, do you have, I mean, are, is this where you are and you're kind of like, I like it here, it's comfortable? Or are you going to be doing anything, you know, like, have you learned anything new? Or are you going to be like changing some of your strategies? Um, what's next for me is I enjoy what I'm doing now. I, I like the, the inventory I have. I have an opportunity possibly to buy some more houses I'm out of state that I'm looking into from a, a borrower, a, a lender, I mean, friend of mine that wants to cash out. I'm looking into that. So um, I'm always looking for good deals. Mm -hmm. Right now, I find it a real challenge to find any good deals. Anytime yeah. I offer on a house, I'm offering over asking and someone's with an escalation clause, which means... Whatever they're asking, whatever someone else bids, I'll bid another thousand on it, up right. to X amount of dollars. And even with that escalation clause, I'm not getting any properties right mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. right. And I'm specific in my area. I like Macomb County because mm -hmm. I know Macomb County. Right. Um, but I loan all over. I, I've, I loan nationwide, um, everywhere. Um, I probably loaned seriously in at least 30 states. Wow. So, um, but those deals are long done. You know, that right. was a long time ago. But right now, I'm concentrating more on the local market. Okay. And and quite honestly, I have a problem property in Roland, North Carolina that I had to take back. <laughs> it's non-IRA, so I got to go back and go down there and clean that property up. Mm. So. Right. 
Okay. All right. Well, John, we appreciate you for coming here and chatting with us today and sharing all of your knowledge. We hope to have you back. Great. Well, listen, thank you. It was a lot of fun today. I enjoyed myself. Appreciate you. I just wish I, I, be honest with you, I wasn't sure what this interview was going to be. If I would have known it was going to be all on self-directed IRAs, I would have sharpened up a little bit more. Oh, we learned a lot. I thought it was going to be more about lending than self-directed IRAs, but that's fine. That's what the next, when you come on next time, that's what we'll talk about. Okay, (laughs) sounds good. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much. I enjoyed myself. Appreciate you. Thanks a lot. So, look, we are sorry. Please like, subscribe, follow us. We are on YouTube and uh, we're Spotify, Spotify, Apple Apple Music. Everywhere. Yes. So there's a difference there. We learned that at the picnic, I think. (laughs) So the purple icon, Apple Podcast, go there, follow. Um, Thanks, everybody. All right. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Yeah, that was good. That was good. You had a lot of information. And, uh,